When you need internal audit, SOX, or IT audit support, contact Thomas Molinex at Revision Management Consulting. Based in Houston, Texas, his experts average 15 years experience in a variety of industries and business types. Contact Thomas today via Messenger here on LinkedIn or at thomas at r-vmc.com. Again, that is thomas at r-vmc.com. All right, my friends. Welcome to episode number 22 of Audit Bites, and you've seen the title, Culture Counts More Than You Think. But first, let me just tell you, Audit Bites is what? The very first live show where we talk about, well, auditing, and we're avail- we are available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, so here's what I want you to do. After the show, go over to the iTunes store and give us a five-star review. I really think that we're worth it. Not a one, not a two, three, four, but a five-star review. All right, guys. Audit Bites, episode number two, two. Culture counts more than you think. So let's talk about this. Your company's culture can propel or kill your profits. Your company's culture can propel or kill your profits. This is just a fact of life. I think we all know this. However, there have been some recent developments that have been very disturbing. For example, there's a recent Financial Times article that warns of an organizational culture crisis in the UK. Now, that's in the UK now. They have a culture crisis in the UK. I think we have a culture crisis all over the world. But before we get into it, let's acknowledge my wonderful audience because, you know, I love the people that show up every week. Puts a smile on my face to see you guys. Hey, Heather from Jacksonville, Florida, where it is sunny. Bring some of that sunshine this way, my friend. And Michelle is here. Michelle, how you doing, my friend? How you doing? How are you doing? So look, guys, we're talking about culture. So I know that this is a topic that everyone really wants to talk about because it's extremely important. But like I was saying, a recent Financial Times article warned that there's an organizational culture crisis in the UK. So check out what, what happened. The head accounting regulator over there said that the right tone from the top can help avoid Carillion style failures. So now you're probably wondering, what in the heck is Carillion? Well, I'm glad you asked. Carillion was a British multinational construction and facilities management company. It was headquartered in the UK and my friends... Wait till I tell you what happened to Carillion if you've never heard of it. They were accused of several things that were just all bad. So let's just talk about those for just one minute. One was aggressive revenue recognition practices, meaning they were saying that they had revenue that they, well, may not have had yet. So they were saying that they had revenue that they may not have had yet. Now, I think we all know that that's bad anywhere. They had a pension deficit, meaning they had a pension plan where they were supposed to be paying people out some money at some point in time in the future. There was a deficit. You think people were going to get paid? Probably not. They had what they're calling a disproportionate incentive to maintain goodwill value in accounts. Now, the last time I checked, this was probably really, really bad, too. Really, really bad, right? Disproportionate goodwill in their accounts. But they also had low margin contracts combined with excessive debts. Let's talk about what that means for a minute. So their business model was centered around bidding real low margins on projects. 
And when they when they won the contracts, they would utilize high levels of debt to report profits. So they would get these contracts and then they would take out debt and then it showed the debt as the revenue, knowing that they were only going to get slim margins. Now, all of these are very, very, very bad accounting practices. But this was over in the UK. Ah, so for my so for my friends in the West, we're usually the best, right? Which means we're the best at screwing stuff up, too. So let's talk about some culture issues that we might have over here in the West. Gabe says, here to support some really good auditing content. Gabe, my friend, it's always good to see you. Corey is here. Corey says, what's good, Rob? Hey, what's good, Corey, man? We need to get on the phone and talk again soon. It's always good talking to you. And Joe, my partner in crime, Joe is here. Hey, Joe. Uh, so look, today we're talking about culture, so I'm glad Joe is here because we all know that Joe is the queen of culture or the expert in ethics or, you know what, Joe, I'm going to have so many nicknames for you, you're not going to know which one to choose on any given day of the week. All right, so let's talk about corporate culture and what I want to talk about in the West as a good example or a bad example of corporate culture is Boeing. So if you work for Boeing and you're listening and you're an auditor and you are getting mad at me right now, I really don't give a rip. So many of you know about the Boeing 737 scandal. You see, they had redesigned this aircraft and they needed to do certain things to bring it up to standard. Well, let's just say they didn't do everything that they needed to do to bring it up to standard. During testing, some of the testers noticed that the functionality wasn't working as intended. Some tried to alert some people and others just swept it under the rug. And at the end of the day, at least two Boeing 737s have crashed, killing everyone on board. So you're probably wondering now, Robert, what in the world does that have to do with culture? Well, for those of you who are asking yourself that question, I am so glad that you're asked, that you've asked. You see, within the Boeing debacle, there were several employees at the organization that knew what was happening. Some tried to alert management and others just swept it under the rug, like I just said. But there's evidence that shows some of the conversations that occurred. Based on the conversations that occurred, it speaks a lot to the culture in that company. What we're going to do is pull up some of those conversations so that you can see exactly what I'm talking about. So let's just have a look, guys. Let's have a look. All right. So take a look at this conversation starting back in 2015 in August. Here's what one of their testers had to say. I just Jedi mind tricked this fools. I guess these fools is what he was trying to say. I should be given $1,000 every time I take one of these calls. I saved this company a sick amount of money. What did you convince them of was the response. To simply produce an email from me to the DCGA that states all the airlines and regulators that accept only the max CBT, computer-based training, to make them feel stupid about trying to require any additional training requirements. So let me explain what this is saying. So when they made adjustments to the old aircraft, the new aircraft, the, the changes that they made were so significant that pilots needed to go through some computer-based training as well as some additional training in order to be certified to fly those planes by the FAA unless you could prove that there was not a significant change in the structural design of the airplane. So what he's saying is he tricked them to say that there was not a significant change and the pilots did not need to go through that additional computer-based training. 
Therefore, he saved the company money because the pilots didn't have to go through the additional training, which would have kept them out of the skies for a certain period of time. Now, as I just said, a lot of people died because these planes crashed because, as he said, he just tricked those fools, right? So <laughs> Richard Fowler is here, and I love when Richard is here. He said, is culture the same as ethics or is it more of a variable? And Joe, Joe says, Richard, personally, I think ethics is just one piece of culture, but a huge piece. And I would agree with that. I think ethics is one part of the culture of your organization. And Pozo, you may be late, but it's great to have you whenever you come in. But Pozo also says there's no price tag on lives. I completely agree with that. So that's why you're going to be even more upset at some of these uh, uh, some of the conversations that happen behind the scenes at Boeing. Now, mind you, these are all public record now because these conversations were submitted as a part of lawsuits that were filed against Boeing. So here we are, September of 2016. Someone said, this is a joke. This airplane is ridiculous. We are having issues with every update we do. It seems like they'll never get it right. Fix one thing, break three others. No one wants to fix anything. Now let's take it a step further. February of 2017. February of 2017. Amazing what a brown envelope can achieve. It isn't anywhere near as it would appear to be reading the report. The FAA were neither thorough nor demanding and failed to write up many issues. The lies, the damn lies. So this was after the FAA came in and took did a review, they produced a report. So this person is saying that that report was not adequate because that report did not point out a lot of the issues that there were with the plane. Now, here's someone else, April of 2017, that says, this airplane is designed by clowns who, in turn, are supervised by monkeys. They go on to say they expect to only do two sets of one week's airplane testing. Normally, the FMC, the flight management computer, is tested during an entire flight test program. Jesus, it's doomed. I said we must do much more than that. So here's someone who apparently tried to blow the whistle, but to no avail. Now, in February of 2018, someone says, I don't know how to refer to the very, very few of us on the program who are interested only in truth. Would you put your family on a max simulator trained aircraft? I wouldn't. And someone else responded back, no. May of 2018, someone said, get silencer, put on end of gun, place adjacent to the temple and pull the trigger. The problems stop. At this point, how can they consider continuing? This person equated that aircraft to committing suicide. These are all on the record. Now, as I'm sitting here talking about culture, let me tie this in and tell you why I brought up this Boeing case as it relates to culture. What we just read were all internal communications from the organization between individuals in the organization. Within that, you saw some people saying, I'm saving this company money. You saw other people saying, we need to find out the truth. You saw some people saying that, hey, these are trained monkeys and I'm deceiving the FAA. You saw other people saying, this plane is like committing suicide. 
that in and of itself speaks to the culture within this organization. You see, if this organization was not putting profits before everything, certain individuals would have come forward and their <clears throat> and what they disclosed would have been taken seriously. But more so to the point you had one employee actually brag that he was saving the organization money. Now, if this was a corporate culture that did not stress money, this employee would not stress money. Realize that your employees are going to act and behave in a manner that is similar to the corporate culture that is pushed down from the top. Let me say that again. Your employees are going to act in a manner that is consistent with the corporate culture that is pushed down from the top. So when you read these things, what does that tell you about the culture that was pushed down from the top in this organization? All right. So let's go back to some of our comments. Joe, always with great comments. She says, these messages always make me so mad. Here are two other ones I share in my ethics from internal employees. This airplane is designed by clowns who in turn are supervised by monkeys. I did say that one, yeah. I still haven't forgiven, been forgiven by God for covering, uh oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I saw that one. Uh, I still haven't been forgiven by God for covering up I did last year, for what I did last year. That one got me too, Joe. That one was just completely just sad, just extremely sad. Now, Pozo says, how in the world did they feel so comfortable to send such messages internally? Well, Pozo, they were comfortable to send those messages internally because of the culture that existed in the organization. I mean, that's what I just said. The culture that existed condoned this kind of behavior. So that is why you're on episode number 22 of Audit Bites, where we're talking about culture counts more than you think in an organization. Culture can literally be the choice between life and death in an organization. So that means as internal auditing professionals, we need to make sure that we address culture when we perform audit engagements. Now, Richard says profit motive was responsible for the max, definitely. And also for the Wells Fargo, yep. The Challenger, yep. Enron, yeah, we can go. Yeah, and, and many other corporate failures all the way back to the Ford Pinto. You know, I remember the Ford Pinto. Richard, not a lot of people are going to remember that vehicle, but that was a car put out by Ford Motor Company. And basically the gas tank exploded, especially if there was a car wreck. And they ended up uh, settling with a bunch of folks for quite a bit of money based on that. Now, in hindsight, what I'm told based on the history I've researched on the Ford Pinto is that they actually knew the potential cost or loss from a dollar standpoint and just roll the dice. That's called risk management kind of sort of. But do you really want to manage the risk like that when it comes to people's lives? Now, Gary says there are five or six excellent documentaries on Boeing. One of the best is Boeing's Fatal Flaw. I saw that one. That actually was a really good documentary. Yeah, I, I would recommend that anyone watch that. Richard, I'm not old, man. I don't think Richard, Richard said, yeah, we're old. When I said not many people are going to uh, uh, remember the Ford Pinto. See, all of you have instances where you you question the culture within an organization. Michelle says recently the Ford F-150 has severe safety recalls. 
our truck kept by the dealer and won't lease it to a oh, while wow, the dealer still has your truck huh you know at, at least they 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 see that it's that bad that they've decided to keep it instead of just handing it back to you and rolling the dice so again culture counts more than you think if you remember episode 21 of this show i talked about a mayor in a major u.s city that referred to someone as a coward for filing an anonymous complaint. Referred to someone as a coward for filing an anonymous complaint. And what I said was, all of the citizens of Fort Lauderdale, Florida should be concerned. If you hear language like that, you should be concerned because this is the leadership and the leadership is condoning, ridiculing someone who comes forward with an anonymous complaint. Yeah, I said it, I'm not afraid to say it. The citizens of Fort Lauderdale, Florida should be concerned. That shows you your tone at the top. All right. So now, when we talk about the culture, what's the big problem? Well, look, let's first let's talk about the benefits of having a good culture. Let's talk about the benefits of having a good culture because research tells us that there are a lot of benefits to having a good culture. The first thing is 77% of potential employees consider the culture in an organization before even applying for the job. 77% of the people consider the culture in an organization before even applying for the job. 49% of people said that they would leave a job for lower pay if it had a better culture. This was based on a Grant Thornton survey. So 49% of employees would leave their jobs for lower pay in exchange for a better culture. I want you to think about that. That, that says a lot. Half the people surveyed said, that they will leave the job for a better culture. So those are some benefits of having a good culture. Now, here's another one that's really shocking. Here are the results of a Grant Thornton survey indicated that there's a disconnect between how executives and employees view culture. In this one survey, 76% of executives say that their organization has a defined value system that is understood and well-documented. 76% of executives said that their organization had a defined value system that was understood and well communicated. Anybody want to guess how many employees, what the percentage of employees were that actually agreed with what the executive said? I'll wait for you to drop it in the chat. And if anyone gets it right, I'll give you a free copy of my book. You know, the one that you see right over here to the right. Ask better questions, get better answers, perform better audits. Now, Trent, when you watch the replay on this one, don't laugh at how... <laughs> how smoothly I just dropped in the plug for the book. So you guys, my buddy Trent, he makes fun of me for the way I plug my books. <laughs> you just want to be able to do it this way, Trent. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Michelle says 25%. Michelle, and you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Pozo, why are you laughing at me? That is not funny. You know that that was smooth the way I dropped that in there. Now, Michelle uh, Pozo says 25% as well. And Gary says profit is never responsible for culture. People are responsible for culture. I agree with that. People are definitely responsible for the culture. Now, profit can be the motivation for a bad culture based on the things that people do to get that profit, right? Heather said 35%. All right, here's what we're going to do. Heather you were the closest one. So I think you were. Yeah. 
Heather, you were the closest. So I'm actually going to send you a copy of my book. Heather Pozo says you already have the book. You'll take a T-shirt. Look at this. How are you going to tell me what you're going to? How, how are you just going to do that on my show, Pozo? Um, <laughs> the answer is 31%. So check this out. 76% of executives said that they had a clearly defined and well-communicated value system, but only 31% of the employees surveyed actually believed that that was true. So now what that tells us is that there's definitely a disconnect between what executives think and what employees actually experience. But don't we know that that's just the truth anyway? All right. So here are your benefits of a good culture. Here are your benefits of a good culture. Decreased turnover. Increased productivity and a strong brand identity. Let me talk about that one for a minute. Basically, what we're saying is the public believes in your brand because the people that work for you are good people and represent your organization well out in the public. Let's just take, for example, Chick-fil-A. No matter what Chick-fil-A you go to, they say, please, thank you. How may I serve you or whatever they say? You know what they say. Every Chick-fil-A, you get the same consistent, decent service. People think of Chick-fil-A and they think about it as being a very well-run company where you get really good customer service. Now, can you say the same about some other fast food restaurants? And I'm not going to disparage any of them. So you just think of one that comes to mind that is not that great in comparison to the culture that is at Chick-fil-A. So look, culture counts more than you think. We're on episode number 22 of Audit Bites, and we just talked about the situation that happened at Boeing where obviously something was going wrong with the culture there because there were some people who knew that those aircraft were just bad. There's evidence that showed that they had conversations where they were discussing it. Some people were making fun of it. Some people were saying that they made the company money. Others were saying this is bad and they needed to stop. One person actually equated it to suicide. We talked about some of the benefits of having a good culture. Now, what I'm going to talk about next are three things that we auditors can do as it relates to culture. Now, obviously, this isn't a culture audit seminar. So these are going to be three high-level things that we as auditors should think about when it comes to culture in an organization. Now, if you're ready for those three things, somebody just type yes into the chat for me. I just want to make sure I still have my friends here with me. And also, I'm stalling for time so that I can actually go to my next slide. <laughs> now, um, what should we auditors think about when it comes to culture? What should we think about and what are a, a few quick things that we can do as it relates to culture within a company? All right. Still got Joe here. Yes. Still have Michelle here. And Richard says, you can't improve what you don't measure. How do we measure culture? That, my friend, is the big problem. How in the world do you measure it? Because here's the problem for us auditors and for anyone. Culture is oftentimes one of those gut things where you might have some evidence that show you what the culture is like, which is the reason why I showed the conversations from Boeing. You don't really need to have strict key performance indicators and measurements to read that and see that there was a disparity in the culture there between some people wanting to tell and some people not wanting to tell. So it was easy to tell that something was corrupt in the culture at Boeing. 
So let's talk about three things, the three things that we can do as audit professionals, the three things that we can do. So the first one, check the stated values in the company. What is in writing? What is it that they say they value as an organization? That is the very first thing you need to do. So check it at the company and each department, each division and each department that you're auditing. Now, why is this important? Because it sets the baseline expectation. If they say that they value honesty, but you see everyone lying on the financial statements, something is wrong. The stated value is not what's being lived in that organization. So first thing, check the stated values. Let me give you an organization. Let me give you an example. There's this luggage company called Away. Now, let me tell you, Away is a luggage company that was started by women who wanted to only hire women because they said women work so well together and we are going to take over the world of luggages. We don't want men in our environment because they're just so toxic. Now, for those of you who are triggered right now because I said that, I don't care. That's what happened. Go look it up. So here's what happened. The CEO, she was, woo, she was a pain. There have been several articles written about how bad she was in the corporate workplace. They used Slack to communicate, and she was known for berating her employees on Slack. But what that does is that goes to show you that bad behavior does not care about your race, age, gender, religion. People who are bad people are bad regardless, and people who are good are good regardless. Good people are black, white, men, women, old, young. So are bad people. But when asked about her behavior, she would always go back to the company's stated values. Here's what the company's stated values were. Thoughtful, customer obsessed, iterative, empowered, accessible, and in it together. Now those sound like some really good values, don't they? Let me repeat them one more time. Thoughtful, customer obsessed, iterative, empowered, accessible, and in it together. So first thing is check the stated values of the organization because the stated values of a way sound really, really good. But the second thing I want you to do is watch how they handle situations. You have your stated values, then you have your acted out values. Because when they ask the CEO of Away about her behavior as it relates to her values, she went back to the values and here's what she said. Let's just take one of them. One of the values was being empowered. Here's what she had to say about empowerment. Empowered employees don't schedule time off when things are busy. <laughs> so while empowerment was a value, the way she meant it was kind of different, huh? Now, <clears throat> Customer obsessed. What she meant by that was employees did whatever it took to make customers happy, even if it came at the cost of their own well-being. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> so they had some stated values, but what they actually did may not have been in line with what true values are for an organization. My man Gary says, people will do what they're paid to do. Yep, I agree 100%. No one ever discusses how defective compensation systems overrides the what they're supposed to do. Can you say Enron, Wells Fargo, and more? Well, Gary, I'll tell you, I know one person that always talks about the compensation system, and that's my friend Joe, if she's still here. 
Joe always talks about incentives in the compensation structure and how we should always look at that because that definitely affects behaviors. So I'm glad you brought that point up. But yes, Joe is always talking about compensation and how compensation can corrupt an environment. So my friends that are auditors, when you're looking at culture in an organization, number one, check the stated values. What do they say they value? But then number two, watch how they handle situations because the stated values may not actually be the lived values. And then the third thing I want you to do is address your observations in audit communications. Here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes, we are afraid to put things in audit reports that we can't put a solid number to. 58% of the population was bad. So we're afraid to put things in there that are our common sense observations. But my grandmother used to say, if common sense were common, everyone would have it. Again, just reading those Boeing conversations, you can tell that the environment was corrupt. Some An employee actually bragged about saving the company money by deceiving the FAA? That's horrible. Now, would an auditor actually write that up in a report? I would. Would you? Or would you wait to pull up sample population and then do some sort of statistical analysis to prove the point that you can't prove? So back to Gary's point, I mean, back to Richard Fowler's earlier point, it's hard to measure it. It's hard to measure culture, but you know a corrupt culture when you see it. But are you brave enough to report on it? That's the challenge I make to each and every one of you. When you see something bad in your culture, do you actually write it up in an audit report? Most of us don't. Now, the next question I have for you is, will you have the courage to actually do it? Because if you look at the Boeing situation, people lost lives when those two planes crashed. Your job is extremely serious. I say this all the time. This is not a paper pushing job. Oftentimes the things that we look at, there is a, a consequence. And sometimes that consequence could be life or death, especially those of us who work in the transportation industry or the healthcare industry. There are lives behind the things that you audit. So how seriously do you take your job as an internal auditor? That's the question that I ask. Pozo says, a lot of organizations center values around customers and forget staff or stakeholders too. That is absolutely correct. People always say the customer is always right. No, the heck they aren't. Right is always right. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Joe says, incentive plans need thrown out the window. Yes, oftentimes they do. Oftentimes they do. Uh, Gary says, Auditors are required to assess management integrity. So if the compensation in, uh, system incents unethical behavior, explain how you trust management integrity. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. If there's a compensation structure that incentivizes wrongdoing, then everything else should be out the window. And, and quite frankly, any audit department that sees that should be saying something. You should not let that go. That doesn't make sense. Um, and then back to Richard's point, though, it's not easy to document integrity or lack thereof. As auditors, we need objective evidence. We do. Um, but that's why even, in, again, in the Boeing situation, you had some evidence that something wasn't right. You know, when someone is actively saying, I deceive the government, we have to sometimes step out on a limb and be brave and say this indicates X, Y, Z. You may not have a, a hard and fast answer, but the more we we uh the more we dance around certain subjects the worse it's going to get for everyone involved 
Now, Joe says, oh, you and Trent have talked about ethics data and it can be quantified. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the use of surveys, it can be. And even with the use of surveys, some of it is still opinion-based. However, your reputation is a risk and most of your reputation is opinion-based. And so that's how I've been able to kind of walk into talking about ethics and compliance, uh, ethical compliance and things like that, especially when you use surveys and you get the survey results. Because again, people can argue that the surveys are just the opinions of your employees. However, that speaks to your reputation, which is a totally different kind of risk. Yeah. Gary says, how is it ethical to work at a company that cheats to make the numbers? It ain't ethical to work at a company that cheats to make the numbers. At least that's my opinion. Um, if I were at a company and I found out that they were doing unethical things, I would first attempt to bring it to light. And then if nothing were done about it, I would just leave because you don't want to be associated with a company that's unethical, no matter what. the There will be stiff consequences for you as a person, right? Because now you're gone and you don't have a job if you hadn't been able to find one. However, that short term monetary loss is really worth it when you preserve your integrity. You guys hear me talk about your moral compass. It should be pointed in some direction. Whatever direction it's pointed in, make sure you don't allow anyone else to move it. Now, Richard says, sales often use commission for compensation. Is that ethical or not? Numbers can be manipulated. Yeah, that's always a sticky one, right? So I think the, the real answer to that is, yeah, <laughs> no. But in all seriousness, the real answer to that is it could be or it couldn't be. It depends on the organization and what the sales incentive compensation structure looks like. Because I understand, um, you know, uh, uh, sales-based incentives. They do make sense. Because if you incentivize someone to sell more, they will sell more. Some people will do it honestly, and some people will do it dishonestly. So what you do is you punish, punish the dishonest individuals, not revamp the entire system if the entire system is not broken. But yeah, that's a that's a tricky one. It, it is, and it always will be. Um, and Joe says, Richard Wells is the case study there. Yep. Short answer is no. They are very, very rarely executed ethically. I do agree, Joe, that they are very rarely executed ethically, but I think they can be, you know? So it's 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 one of those things. It depends on the organization. But yeah, it's it's very hard. And that brings us to Gary's point. Saying get rid of commissions because some cheat is like saying get rid of cars because some have wrecks that kill people. Yeah, it's a very nuanced thing. Um, I don't think it's I don't think commission-based incentives in and of themselves are either good or bad. I think the actors who act out the program are the ones who are good or bad. But then how do you know you have hired a good group of people versus a bad group? So it's a risk either way. Um, and it's just one of those sticky situations. And I think, yeah, Richard is agreeing with, with uh, Gary. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those nuanced things. What is the solution? So look, auditors, culture counts more than you think, but there are a few things that you should be doing. Check the stated values of the organization, the unit, and the department that you're auditing. See if the stated values are in line with how they actually live and operate within that department by watching how they handle situations. And then the third thing is address those observations in your audit recommendations. I mean, seriously, it, this is it's to a point where, again, Certain things, um, lives can be on the line. Lives can be on the line. So Gary is saying, 
I have fraud cases where the salesperson took down the company by burning in fake sales. Yeah. Yep. That happens. That very much so happens. And then Joe says there are great case studies of very successful companies and industries that don't use incentives as motivation and it works great. Yep. Read Winners Never Cheat by John Huntsman. And then Gary says, nothing inherently wrong with sales commissions. The key is, are the controls there to make sure that the sales per that the sales person made the sale? Yeah, again, that that's one that you'll, you'll never have a right answer to. What you'll have are opinions. And one company may choose to implement them and another company may choose to not implement them. The question that I have is, though, which one is the more risky situation? Is it more risky to, ha to have sales compensation incentives versus not. And I think Joe is saying because of a lot of case studies that she's seen, there are a lot of companies that can function without them. As you can tell on this one, I'm neither pro nor con, but more so situational. Um, I do think that they can be very dangerous if executed inappropriately. But again, are there companies that have that don't have uh, sales incentive structures and perform very well? Heck yeah. Are there some companies that still perform very well with them? Yeah. So the question that I would really love for someone to study is which position is the more risky position? Do you lose more money by having sales incentives based on fraud or do you not gain as much revenue with a lack of sales incentives? That is the question that I have. Now, Pozo says, cutoff tests, are they helpful at all to test sales compensations incentives? It's hard to tell because, I mean, even if you do a good cutoff, you're just comparing year over year or month over month or week over week. Sales could have increased because of various reasons or they could have decreased because of various reasons. So that that's a hard one to say. Uh, and I think that's why looking at sales incentives is can be, can be extremely, extremely difficult. All right, you guys, episode number 22 of Audit Bytes. Culture counts more than you think. Go to auditbytes.com to hear any past episodes and to get some CPE. I want to thank you guys for joining me. I'm Robert Berry. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Audit Bites. If you want to do more, see more, be more, check out our website at auditguide.com where you will find quality training. Audit merch. Yes, we have hats, shirts, and other apparel, as well as past copies of this podcast and the Friday Frogster podcast. www.thatauditguide.com. Thanks for joining us.